I have three younger siblings. I'm the oldest, and we're all boys. So I've got three younger brothers, uh, and we grew up in the Northeast in a little state called Connecticut. And one of the things that you do in Connecticut for fun is play street hockey. Yeah. Oh, man. It's good stuff. So uh, the, 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 the house where I lived was at the end of a cul-de-sac, and the bus, the school bus that would drop us off couldn't turn around in the cul-de-sac, so they would drop us off at the end of the street. And we would just play right in the middle of the street. There was like a crack across one side of the, uh, across one side of the street and then another one like, like 10 yards down. And we would just play, all, me and the kids on, the, on our street, we would just play against each other. It was, oh, it was crazy. And I remember this one day. It was, you know, I, I was kind of asking for it, but me and a couple of the older kids uh, from our street got on a team against like the younger kids. And then, I mean, this is always a recipe for disaster, but uh, <laughs> uh, so... We're crushing them. I mean, this, it's, it's no, no contest at this point. And uh, my brother, my next oldest brother, his name is Parker. He's actually in college now, but at this time, we were, we were both pretty young. Uh, he's, he's like uh, kind of competitive, you know? Anybody competitive? Uh, especially with your siblings. Well, <laughs> I could kind of sense the rage building in my brother as we kept scoring like goal after goal on him. And uh, I, I remember... <laughs> like stealing the stealing the ball off the face off and then get, like getting a goal right afterwards and i like pointed at him and i did like a little celebration and i, I like i saw something snap in my in my brother parker's eyes and i think to this day he maintains that it was an accident but uh he took his so we use these wooden hockey sticks and they have a the blade at the end was kind of like screwed on with two screws and somehow the, the screws must have gotten loose, but he picked up his stick like a baseball bat and he was li- like, he, I, was, I mean, I was a little far away. He couldn't hit me, but he was gonna throw this hockey stick at me. And he comes down. He doesn't let go of the hockey stick, but the blade comes off like a boomerang. And it hits me right here, right in my forehead. And guys, have you ever heard the expression like seeing red? I saw red. Okay, when my brother, and it might have just been the blood pouring down my face, but uh, when that happened, I was like, oh, you're dead. And my, you guys, my, my mom was here. Like, she was like watching the game, like cheering us on, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I look at him, and he's like, oh, no. He turns and starts running. I chase him down. I tackle him. I broke my brother's nose. I was so mad. And I'm on top of him. I'm, look, don't do this, you guys. This is a terrible... <laughs> The, he split, like I, you probably can't really see the scar, but he split this wide open right here and blood is just pouring down. I can't even see. I'm just like, boom. And everybody in the neighborhood's like trying to pull me off. Anyways, that's kind of what it's like at our house. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Somebody's always wearing a cast. Somebody's always getting stitches. Uh, but me and my brothers, we're competitive and uh, kind of crazy. And... Uh, if you can relate to that at all, there's a, there's a really crazy story in Genesis about a family with a lot of brothers. Uh, it's in Genesis, like, chapter 37, like, all the way to, like, the end of the 40s. So it's, it's a long, long story, and I would really encourage you guys to read it. But I'm going to give you guys the, uh, the rundown. So this is a story about a guy named Joseph, okay? Joseph is 17 years old, and he has 11 brothers, that's a big family. That's a lot of competition. 
he is the second youngest, right? So he's like one of the babies. Now, the thing you got to know about Joseph's family is Jacob, his father, had three wives. And he had a bunch of, bunch of uh, sons with his first two wives, but his last wife, Rachel, J- uh, Jacob loved Rachel more than the other wives, it says in the Bible. And uh, Rachel gave Jacob uh, two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. All the other brothers, so I want you guys to remember this, this is important later. All the other brothers are half-brothers, right? So they've got the same dad, but a different mom. And it says this in the Bible. Uh, now, in, in 37 verse 3, it says, uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe. So you guys may have heard of this, uh, Joseph's many-colored coat. Uh, <laughs> The Bible makes no qualms about it. Jacob had a favorite, a favorite child. Does anybody know, does any, can you guys tell me who the favorite child in your family is? Yeah? <laughs> I bet if I asked your sibling, they would tell you something different. But, J- but Joseph is the favorite. Now listen, Joseph is the favorite. And uh, a lo- in, addition to being jo- in, in addition to being the favorite son, Joseph also has the ability, has, has these kind of, these dreams. And, he, and these dreams, uh, he starts to realize that these dreams mean something. And he actually has this crazy dream that, uh, uh, like, they're all, him and all of his brothers are, are um, packaging wheat, basically, to store it. And uh, jo- all of a sudden, Joseph's wheat stands up, and all of these, his brother's wheats bow down to the other one. And Joseph has this dream, and he's like, that's kind of a weird dream. I guess I'll tell my brothers about it. Bad idea. He tells his brothers, he's like, guys, you guys, you got to hear this dream I had. And he tells them, and they're like, you got to be kidding me, right? We know your dad's favorite. Why, like, why are you trying to, you know, he's like egging them on, basically, right? And so Joseph's brothers can't stand him. They hate him. And so there's one day, Joseph's brothers take the sheep, and they go off to graze, and uh, Jacob tells uh, Joseph, hey, go get your brothers. And uh, Joseph goes, and he's, he's a long way off. So he, he can see them, but they're a long way off. And because he's got this rich coat, this ornamented coat on, his brothers recognize him from a long way off. And they're like, here he comes, man. You know, we're like in the middle of nowhere right now. We could, you know, we could kill him and make it look like an accident, and we wouldn't have to deal with this crazy favoritism anymore. I've never been there. I hope you guys have never been there. But these guys, they're, they're so consumed with their hatred for Joseph that they're like, we got we to gotta get rid of him. And Reuben, who's the oldest brother, is like, you guys, that's a bad idea. Let's throw him into a pit. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That way we won't kill him. You know, it's not, it's, his blood's not on our hands. So they do that. And then they stop for lunch. And then these, uh, these merchants come up. The, see, where they were was like right in the middle of a trade route between Egypt and Israel. And so these merchants are just on their way through. They're, they're just, I mean, it's normal that they're there. And one of the brothers is like, you guys, I got a great idea. Instead of leaving him in this pit, we can sell him and make a quick buck. And somehow they all agree that this is a good idea. And they do. And you guys... They sell him, like I looked it up, it says they sold him for 20 shekels of silver. The normal price for a slave at this time is like 30 to 50, right? So they don't care, like, they're like, I'll take whatever you offer me. 
and they get like less than two shekels a piece, which is like 20 bucks. So like that money's not going to last very long. And uh, so a couple things happen. Some chapters go by and guys, you got to imagine, what, what's Joseph thinking? Like as, as this goes on, Joseph's brothers actually sold him into slavery. Now, <laughs> my brother, he hit me with a hockey stick in the head. Uh, that's not quite selling him into slavery, but, you know, I was pretty mad about that. I can only imagine, I can only imagine what Joseph must have been feeling about, about what happened. So one thing leads to another, and Joseph, he finds himself sitting in a prison in Egypt for something he did not do. Joseph is totally innocent, and he's sitting in a prison. Now, if you were to plot revenge, a prison is probably a pretty good place to do it. You know, it's quiet. It's not a lot going on. You can really focus. <laughs> Joseph is there. Some stuff starts to happen. He interprets a, a couple of dreams of two other prisoners that are in the jail. And the prison guards and, and Pharaoh's... Um, uh, his advisors kind of hear about this. And so they store it in the back of their mind. And one day, Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh, like the guy in Egypt, has a dream and he can't figure it out. Uh, it, he has this dream where there's seven uh, really, really fat cows on one side of a river. And then on the other side, there's these really skinny cows. And he, nobody can figure out what this, what this uh, dream means. And one of the advisors remembers, oh, I think there's a guy in jail who can tell you what that dream means. And they go bring Joseph, and Joseph's like, uh, he says something really cool. He's like, I don't interpret dreams, but if it's in God's will, God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And Pharaoh's like, all right. I mean, nobody else can come up with anything. And Joseph tells him, this is what your dream means. You're gonna have, in all of the land, there's gonna be seven years of abundance. When you guys, when your farmers plant their seeds, uh, they're gonna reap they're gonna, when, they, when it comes time to harvest the food, you're going to have an abundance. You're going to have so much extra you don't know what to do with. But after those seven years are over, you're going to have seven years of famine where you can try your best, but nothing is going to grow. And so he looks Pharaoh in the eye. And he says, you should find somebody to put in charge of all this so that when the famine comes, Egypt doesn't pass away. He's like, you should find somebody. I mean, it's like, I don't know who, but you, you know, you should find somebody. And Pharaoh's like, you. And so Joseph goes from sitting in a prison to literally second in command in Egypt. Right? Pharaoh says, with, with all regards except to the throne, you are the greatest. So he's like, Joseph, you make all the decisions. All I get to do is sit on the throne. That's the only thing you can't do, but you're the boss, all right? And Joseph's like, okay, sure. Joseph does it, and, and you guys, 20-something years go by from the last time that Joseph saw his family. 20 years. And eventually, the years of famine start to come in the land. And Jacob, his father, Jacob and his family are running out of food. And they hear a rumor that there's food in Egypt. And so 
uh, Jacob, who's already heartbroken, he thinks his son Joseph has been killed. When after, after his brother sell him into slavery, they go back to their dad with his coat and they put some blood on it and they say, he must have gotten attacked by an animal or something. And so Jacob's heartbroken that his, his favorite son has been killed. And so his new favorite son would have been Benjamin because Benjamin was Joseph's whole brother, the only living son of his favorite wife, Rachel. So he thought. And so he says um, to his sons, he says, you guys go, Benjamin's gonna stay with me. You guys go, get some food. He, he gives them some silver. He says, get some food from Egypt and bring it back. And so the craziest thing is about to happen. Joseph's brothers come into the presence of Joseph. He's there. He's, I, I imagine, in this kind of this big room. And Joseph's brothers aren't expecting to see, they're, they're, uh, they aren't expecting to see him. And so they don't recognize him. And Joseph actually disguises himself by using an interpreter. He speaks the Egyptian language to the interpreter. And while, while his brothers are speaking the, the Hebrew language, all the while he can hear what they're saying. And Joseph, this is crazy. Joseph doesn't reveal himself to his brothers. He keeps his identity a secret and he treats them really, really harshly. And for a long time I wrestled with this. I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, but you gotta imagine, Joseph's brothers come in and, and he sees them and he's counting them. He's like, Benjamin's not here. Now I know they hated me so much. They were willing to kill me. I wonder if the same thing happened to him. So he's worried about his brother. And he's, he's, he's accusing them of being spies. He's like, you guys are spies. You know? And um, he ends up putting them in prison for a couple of days, but then sends them home with some food. But he says, if you come back, you better bring your brother or you're never gonna see my face again. Basically like, I'm not gonna help you. And eventually the food runs out and they have to come back and, and he does it again, he pranks them again. Now like, I can understand this. Like, this is kind of like more related to the hockey story. He's, he's pranking his brother. I mean, I didn't prank my brother Parker by punching him in the nose, but uh, eventually, eventually he reveals himself to them. And he said, it, it, it's amazing. Now I want you guys to imagine how you would feel if your brothers or sisters did something like this to sell you into slavery, to say you mean nothing except a couple pieces of silver. And so this is, this is what Joseph says. It's uh, Genesis 45 verse one. It says, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household knew about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? You gotta imagine, what, what are his brothers thinking? They're like, their jaws just hit the floor. Like, what? You're our brother Joseph. He asked them, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I understand that. I understand that. Then Joseph said to his brothers, and this blows my mind. This blows my mind. Verse four, Joseph says to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, 
I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. For it was God's, or for, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He goes on, for two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be plowing or reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And he repeats it, so then it was not you who sent me, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Then he tells his brothers, get dad and I'm gonna take care of you guys. Now that just blows my mind. How can somebody who has every reason to hold a grudge and every ability to carry out his revenge forgive his brothers for something that happened 20 years ago? This, this is crazy. Now, I want, how, how would your relationship with your siblings be different? If you had the attitude of whenever they did something to annoy you or hurt you or anything like that, you were to say, do not be angry with yourselves for it was God who did this to me and he's got a plan. First of all, that would probably freak out your sibling. But seriously, would your relationships with your siblings change? If you showed them forgiveness when they showed you nothing but, but anger and, and hurt, I think they would change. Now, let me be clear. This is not uh, some kind of license to, to uh, be terrible to your brothers or sisters because like, hey, God's got a plan for it. You know, he, he can make something come out of it. <laughs> I, I, cha- I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge everybody here that to, to have the perspective of God to believe with everything that you have that nothing is outside of God's ability to reconcile for his purposes. This is the point I want you guys to get. The best way to love your siblings, the best way to love anybody for that matter, even when it's hard, is to remember that God has a plan. If you remember that God has a plan and you believe in that plan, Anything that happens to you, you have the ability to forgive it. Even if your brothers sold you into slavery, you could forgive that. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Andrew, this does not make I don't get a word that you're talking about. There's, there's, something, else, there's something else going on here that I think is really important, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rush through it, but I really want you guys to get this. If the... If, that story doesn't make sense to you and it's confusing, I want you to look deeper. So maybe you're not supposed to relate to Joseph. Maybe you're supposed to relate to Joseph's brothers. Because at some point in your life, you made a decision to sin. At some point in your life, you made a decision that drove a nail into the wrist of Jesus. 
At some point in your life, you made a decision that cost him his life. And you may be carrying the guilt and the shame of those decisions that you've made. It, it's, it, I encourage you guys to read this passage. In, in uh, like, like 43, Genesis 43 and 44, his brothers, Joseph's brothers, they, they start to kind of catch on to what's going on. And they, like, before Joseph reveals himself to them, they, they think that God is punishing them for what's going on. And they are just carrying the weight of the guilt of what they did. And they, and, and they were carrying these heavy sacks of grain. And I just imagine just how heavy that must have been. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've been carrying the weight of your sin and it's weighing you down. It's, I mean, you're out of breath. You're struggling to take every step. Or things may look okay on the outside. You may look fine, but in, in, inside in your soul, you're in a spiritual famine. Just like Joseph's brothers were in a famine and in desperate need. And when they went before Joseph, oh, how much relief must have washed over them when they heard Joseph say, it was God who sent me here to save lives. Don't be angry with yourselves. Maybe tonight you've been holding on to that guilt and that shame and it's killing you. You may need to hear the words of Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are burdened and weary. I will give you rest. Stay with me. Learn from me. My burden is easy. Just be with me. Maybe you need to fall on your knees in front of Jesus and hear him say, Andrew, it's okay. I know what you did. It's okay. Don't be angry with yourself. I forgive you. Come be with me. Come live in my house. Come be close to me. If that's you, if... If you can relate to what I've just said, I want to tell you something that with Jesus, there's freedom. Freedom from the control of guilt and shame. There's freedom to thrive in your relationships with other people and your siblings. And if you want that freedom tonight, there's something I want to do with you guys. If, if that's you and, and just for the first time, you just say, you know what? Yes, I need to take a break. I need rest. I need Jesus. I want to ask everybody to close their eyes and put their heads down. Go ahead, put your heads down. If that's you, if you need some freedom tonight, go ahead and put your hand up. If you need some freedom from the weight of everything that you've been carrying, let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I thank you for the courage and the boldness 
of the students that are here who have admitted to you that they need a break, that they need your forgiveness. And God, they need your freedom. And Jesus, as they make this decision to walk with you, to stay close to you, God, I pray that you will, you will protect them, that you will teach them, that you will surround them with, with godly friends that will guide them. And that they will learn what it means to have love in real life. I thank you for these people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you guys to know, if that was you, if you raised your hand and for the first time you, you said, yes, I need Jesus, I want Jesus, I need freedom. There's two things you do. You admit what you just did. You admit that you need it. And then you just be with Jesus. You just live with him on a day-to-day basis and you grow with him. Just spend time with him. Make Jesus your friend. Make Jesus your brother. Uh, I want to ask just um, if, if you rose your, uh, rose your hand, raised, raised your hand, can you just stand up really quick because that's an incredible decision and uh, that's worthy of some celebration. So if you raised your hand, can I just... Can you just stand up and we can just kind of go crazy for these people? Yeah? All right. Come on. That's incredible. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. You guys, you guys, this is only the beginning. A relationship with Jesus is something you never come to the end to, and it's always an adventure. And if, uh, if you would, I'm going to challenge you guys to do this. These, we've got a takeaway card for you tonight. This is a seven-day challenge to love your siblings. I'm going to challenge you to do this. There's even a hashtag on the front, and I want you guys to document this process. If you don't have a sibling, that's not an excuse, Okay? <laughs> You can find somebody to do this with. Find a friend, find somebody you respect, find somebody you want to get closer to, and do this challenge. Okay, I'm going to pray once more, and then we're going to go into small groups. If you stood up, I would love for you to share a little bit in your small groups about what, why you decided to make that decision. Okay, let's pray, and we're going to go to small groups. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this amazing night. Thank you so much for your word and your truth. God, I pray that these students will walk away with, with uh, something new, with, with a little bit of a lighter load because they took a step closer to you. I pray that you will guide the rest of their steps, that they will continue to walk right alongside you and that you will bless them as they go on this crazy wild adventure called life. I love these students. God, I pray for them. I pray that you will bless this night. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.